With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to Millions of Screens, IndieWire's brand new TV industry focused podcast. I'm creative producer Leo Garcia, joined as always by TV Awards editor Libby Hill and TV deputy editor Ben Travers. A lot to get into in this, our pilot episode. On today's show, we'll be chatting Succession, Watchmen, and have our first but definitely not last discussion concerning the forthcoming Streaming Wars. I mean, streaming wars is kind of aggressive. It is aggressive. I'm sorry. producer, Leo. I prefer to refer to it as uh, the forthcoming streaming apocalypse. <laughs> That's why there's no conflict. Right. But it is the end it time. It is the end times. This is millions and millions of little screens. Can't you shut up? I'm busy. Boy, what a great show. For the uninitiated, which is everybody, aside from the three of us. I'm uh, well, it might actually Including be. the three of well, us. What else are we going to have on this pod? We're going to have various segments, special guests, potentially games. Games. Potentially games. I feel like he's ad-libbing again. Uh, <laughs> millions of screens hopes to help you get a handle on the ever-increasing TV bubble by popping the overinflated topics and tying a nice little string around the creators, producers, and television worth holding on to. My God. That's not You a- really stretched that <laughs> balloon metaphor. <laughs> a TV um, is like a balloon, and yep. we are the string. That ties it together so you can hold on to it. Right. For the stuff you want. Yeah. But then for the stuff you don't want, and people are like, that's too many balloons, then we pop them. Now it's time for the clicker, our recap of the biggest news items from this past week. Up top, let's start with the finale of HBO's preeminent castle drama, Circle C, Libby Hill. Uh, I believe she's the one who came up with that. Copyright. Libby Copyright. Hill. What Sir did castle? I call it? Castle drama? Yeah, didn't you, say, didn't you call oh, it? Oh, yeah. Um, that's what happens when I can't remember palace intrigue. Um, I call it castle drama, <laughs> which is not a thing. It turns out. It and could be now. It, well, yeah, I am a professional. Um, Wait, I'm very that... well regarded in the field. I always assumed that was a uh, a play against uh, Game of Thrones. Well, it was. Okay. It was definitely, but uh, the word, uh, the the phrase I was looking for, and that is generally regarded as palace intrigue. Yeah, but uh, listen, that's a little outdated. Palace intrigue. I mean, what are we doing here? I'm going to well, think about the Crown, I'm... maybe, but really, I'm going to think of like a Gosford Park style murder Honestly, mystery. Honestly. Honestly, it's very pretentious yeah. when it gets down to it. And I hate pretension. So Castle Drama it is. Okay, Castle Drama. Thank you. Thank you. So, Thank you, Leo. Uh, so uh, Libby, you went on the record as stating that Succession was the only good? <laughs> yes, tele- the only good show on television. Okay. And I stand behind that. Ben is screwing up his face <laughs> well. because he clearly disagrees with me. Uh, and now I'm I'm seeing him launch into like some Lodge 49 no, no, I'm no, not. No, I'm not 49. Steve Green. Like I don't. What are you? So let's let's. I. It's too early to bring in the leftovers references. So I'm hoping oh. it's not Mrs. Fletcher. I wanted. The, I gotta be quiet then. Okay. Yeah. It's too early. It's too early. Well, that's why I love the timing of your piece. The timing of your piece was beautiful because not only did it arrive light, right after a wonderful, perfect finale, which tied up a wonderful, perfect season of TV, but it arrived like right before the new wave of really good shows exactly. came out. So Exactly. And, and that was the purpose there. The purpose was to get people a little fired up 
about saying that Succession is the only good show on television. But the point of that piece, and I think what we miss a lot when we talk about Succession, is this idea that it really captures this age we're living in that we don't really understand because we're not a part of a lot of it. Um, so much of it deals with, you know, the 0.1% of the population, so much money, uh, so much influence, and they just have problems none of us could understand. And But watching that play out on Succession gives us the distance we need to enjoy it, maybe? Because we're not getting a lot of enjoyment out of 2019 in general. Uh, so it's nice to to have television to do that for me. Well, also the, the week's prior episode where they went to D.C. and were oh interrogated on C-SPAN. Like, first of all, that's, that's a, another terrific episode of television. But I thought it highlighted kind of what Succession is able to do and that it really brings you into that world like you talked about and also puts a face to the people that we otherwise just kind of have to ignore. Like, I don't watch C-SPAN. I can't do it. It just is so dry and it gets away from me. And a lot of, you know, the the um, the writing out there tries to humanize and bring you into these people so that you can see who they are and come to terms with how terrible they are just as individuals. Um, but succession just makes it so much easier to understand that immediately. And then, again, like you said, the real-world parallels just stand out so beautifully. I mean, I have watched some C-SPAN before. Um, I've never heard anyone say that to make a Tomlet, you need to break some Greggs. And if, if C-SPAN was as well-written as Succession, then it's the only thing I would watch. Right, that's the, um, yeah, yeah. Very disappointing uh, that it's not. But, yeah, Get can you that, imagine guys. someone, like, actually responding to a congressional hearing like showing up when congress is like hey we want to talk to you like someone like going in and 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 doing that that seems wild i mean you just introduced an argument as like that kind of counters your first one like this is the real world succession brings us right to it and then wait no nobody's fucking listening to that yeah fiction is actually wishful thinking again it's like veep when it undercut itself oh yeah it was like well we thought this was the worst thing that we could do and then they topped us in real life and Yeah, right. It's, um, well, now I'm just depressed about real life. (laughs) We did it. So time for Succession Season 3. So, uh, Ben, you kind of teased this a little bit when talking about sort of HBO's uh, upcoming slate, but you were at the premiere of Watchmen this week. I was. I was one of the the lucky many to be <laughs> at the uh, the ArcLight Hollywood to witness the first episode of Watchmen, which uh, technically wasn't its premiere premiere. It premiered at New York Comic Con. Um, it had screened for critics, so like there'd been uh, a little bit of buzz around it, but it really amplified in that theater, which was really exciting. Um, and as Libby is well aware, we are about to enter a great time in our life where Watchmen takes over the discourse and we get to talk about each episode individually for at least a week, if not much, much longer. So that's going to be super fun. And we've talked before, obviously not on this podcast because this is our pilot episode, but we've spoken before privately, Ben, about how we don't want to talk about, you know, vague things that our listeners aren't going to be able to understand or appreciate but i think because the embargo on watchmen has lifted um we can talk a little bit about the pilot which premieres uh this weekend sunday and it's great it's really great it's really great i haven't seen it but you guys have gotten me very excited about it yeah and there's there's so much floating around about you know what is this show is it an adaptation is it a sequel is it a spin-off like there's all these kind of people just trying to 
you know, sum it up very easily. And I think it is, I think you can call it a sequel. You just can't go into it anticipating that like all of the characters from the original are what this is about. This is, this is 30 years later. It's very current. It's an alternate history. There's brand new characters mixed in with a few of the old and it's telling a brand new story. Um, but you don't have to read the comic to get excited about it. You don't have to be overly familiar with the comic to get excited about it. You can just dive right into this thing, and there's going to be uh, so much to talk about, which obviously gets us excited because that's what we do. But it's also just really, really entertaining. Like, it is it is a very entertaining show. It is oh, not yeah. something that skimps on any form of, of, of bombast or excitement or like, um, you know, like big spectacles. Like they take full advantage of the budget given to this, you know, would be franchise. And, uh, it's really something that's just worth watching, like to admire as, as somebody who appreciates that sort of thing. So it does feel very much like, uh, like lost and leftovers, you know, Lindelof's two other babies, uh, sort of melded together into this wonderful, weird, um, exploration of a universe that people are either super familiar with or not familiar with at all. I um, am sadly unversed in the original comic, but I love this show. I've seen six episodes. I have no idea what's going on. Not within the show, but like, I don't know where we're going. And that's very exciting um, on a lot of shows. So I think if viewers go into it, appreciating the journey as opposed to trying to solve the show, then um, I think they're gonna have a better time with it. Just try and let go of your expectations and enjoy the ride because it's it's mind blowing. I, I definitely like to think of it as um, because I was I was so close to the leftovers that that the leftovers was such an internal journey. Like it felt like something where you were going to ask all the big questions that everybody kind of holds inside themselves and we have to grapple with on kind of an existential level. And Watchmen feels like the external version of that. It feels like it's going to look at the country and the world and the people as they come together and try to make, try to ask those similar big questions about who we are and then answer them in a more um, a more outward context, a more mm. uh, bigger picture, uh, you know, whatever. Watch it. It's great. No, it's asking questions. It's asking questions. Um, that well, I think we're all asking within ourselves, but with, uh, without ourselves. One last question on, on Watchmen. Uh, it's an alternate history you mentioned, or an alternate reality. Uh, is Richard Nixon still president in this world? No. But okay. he was. He was. Yeah. For, there was no Watergate. Yeah. No. He, he, serves, won, he serves four terms. Yeah, they won the Vietnam War, so then he held on to office. Um, this might I'm, not also make the podcast. I'm this getting is mostly it for me. <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to keep it straight because I watched the alternate history in For All Mankind yesterday, oh, no. which introduces another like Nixon, what's going to happen oh, with his presidency thing. But yeah, Watchmen, he did like four terms, but then he's replaced by Robert Redford. Yes, who I held believe on so. To the presidency but there are s- then on yeah because they they got rid of term limits. Yeah, right. The 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 thing about Nixon in the Watchmen universe is there are some people who cling very dearly to his um, standards and morals. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's on uh, Mount Rushmore, right? I think there was a shout of that. Man, this show is going this to show this show is going to be a gut punch for current America, huh? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that could have been that if you write that down in an article, they might put that on a billboard. Ben, another event you went to this week was uh, just last night, the For All Mankind screening. Uh, in the words of the Apple representatives who introduced it, it was the world premiere of Apple TV Plus, loud applause, and then as the applause continued, but 
also for for all mankind and that kind of got swept under the rug so it very much felt like this was an apple tv plus launch event more than a premiere for that specific show even Mm -hmm. though it was very very space themed um there were there were little bags at each seat that had um astronaut ice cream sandwiches (laughs) If it had spaceships, that would be awesome. <laughs> I mean, Apple likes to throw its money around, is my understanding. So yeah, I was everybody I talked to who freeze walked dried, in freeze dried food. That was what it was. But everybody who walked in and saw the gift bags were like, "Ooh, iPhones! Ooh, Apple TV!" Like, but that wasn't quite what they did. They did what are have they, Reese Witherspoon. They're not getting an iPhone. <laughs> <laughs> what is wrong with people? Uh, I mean, the expectations are high. Everybody talks about how much money they're willing to spend, so then they're looking for you know their own little sliver of it. And uh, they did. They set up this. They shut down like a full city block in Westwood for the red carpet, kind of like the way they do on Hollywood or on yeah on Hollywood for the premieres at uh, the Chinese Theater. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, they and they set up these big tall walls that were actually much higher than the ones they do at, at, at on Hollywood usually, um, and they had backdrops with like astronaut uniforms hanging and um, like some of the posters of the show, but also a lot of like artifacts that reference the show. And for the red carpet, obviously that was just for the photos of the celebrities as they came sure. in and did their interviews. But then when you left, because you got to take one. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody got an astronaut suit. I mean, they Apple. weren't. Yeah. I mean, they're they're coming. They're coming for Somebody it. Somebody might have tried because they were just hanging there, and and the, the everybody was taking selfies. Ben like tried. Everybody was getting pictures behind. Ben, the ben tried. Ben, ben tried no to comment. take an astronaut. He, ben suit. was like, I came, I came in this. This is, this listen, is my cosplay. Just, I was thrown out of two premieres this week. I didn't want to lead with that, but I threw a brick at the Watchmen premiere, which was appropriate because it was Heroes Day, and then I tried to steal a few astronaut, you know, goodies from. For all mankind. I don't but. want to be that person, but no one understands the Heroes Day reference. I'm sorry. Everyone does. What no. are you talking about? No. Carrie Coon tweeted about it. Carrie Coon follows me on Twitter. Everybody oh. follows Carrie Coon, so everybody knows about Heroes Day. Even Leo, who hasn't watched the show. Mm-hmm. Classic leftovers reference. <laughs> <laughs> Never mind. I want that to be my ringtone. <laughs> so Ben, you did not get to steal a uh, an astronaut suit. He did not say that. So Ben, you did not. Go home with an astronaut. <laughs> uh, that is true. That that I can vouch for. Um, but no, they had they had a big party afterwards. They obviously uh, were were shelling out and trying to make uh, a big deal about this while so many other shows are premiering and so many other things are happening. Um, but you know we're still waiting to see the results. It was it's early. Like we we're still weeks out from the launch. So. We'll see if it makes any difference. So obviously on back-to-back nights, you were at a HBO event, more traditional television, as it were, mm-hmm. and then an Apple TV Plus event, uh, which I think segues nicely into the forthcoming Stream Mageddon. What are we calling it? Stream Apocalypse. Stream Apocalypse. Uh, I mean, I like Armageddon because it's a great film, but... Criterion Collection. I right, I've got it. don't want to miss a thing. Uh, that was great. Liv, Liv Tyler, who Can I believe is, is, on, for this? is on the leftovers. Classic leftovers. <laughs> so Ben, Libby, obviously there's going to be a lot of a lot of stuff coming down the pipeline. Apple TV Plus, November 1st. We have Disney Plus, November 12th. Why don't we get into a little bit about them? Because there's a lot to cover, but at least strengths and weaknesses for each of them. I guess we can start with Disney Plus because we haven't talked about them yet on the pod. Um, but on Monday, uh, Disney Plus released a torrent of like 600 titles that are going to be available when the platform launches. Uh, from I think Snow it was White. thousands. Was yeah. it thousands? Yeah, I think it was. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna 
go to the tape. I'm gonna check it out. It was a lot. It was. I thought it was 600 tweets that were then like threaded. It was like you would have one movie and then 30 in a thread, and then another movie and then 30 in a thread. It was a lot. I tried to avoid it. I mainly saw it via retweets, which was the obvious goal of the. Essentially, what are I mean that that has to be one of the of the strengths, which is the library is immense. Oh yeah, no, that's and that's it seems as we get closer and closer to launch, which is you know um, one of the main reasons we're we're bringing this up now. As we get closer, we're seeing kind of what the strategy is for the launch date, which will hopefully kind of form a more long term view of what we're going to be getting for our money. Um, and with Disney, yeah, they seem to be leaning into their back catalog because their new shows that they're launching, like the originals, they've got the big one, they've got The Mandalorian, which you know is a Star Wars property, so obviously it'll have a lot of eyeballs on it. John Favreau's directing some of it, um, so people will be paying attention to that. But they're not trying to offer or sell their service on the fact that they've got these new originals so much as they're leaning on look at all of the content we can offer you right away that right. you're already in love with and want to keep. Right. Up with. That we have stolen from, we, we, right. we've, that we've reclaimed. Right, we, yeah. We've brought back from Netflix, um, brought it home. Uh, your kids have been screaming for Beauty and the Beast for two and a half years, and, and here it is in streaming. Those numbers are not exact. But. Um, yeah, what are their core, like whenever they have the Disney Plus, like kind of banner, it's got like the Disney Plus logo in the middle, and then there's like the four properties. It's like Star Wars, Pixar. Marvel and I'm assuming like Disney Animation or yeah, something. Disney animation Studio, yeah. Yeah, I think, yeah. But but there yeah, also would like, be live, there's also a bunch of Disney live action stuff like. Oh sure, yeah, uh, and that's I think that was probably the the biggest revelation of that thread was that they reminded you of so many obscure titles that you'd forgotten about, but then you know milk that nostalgia bone like a couple more times like just yeah. remind you that you did like that weird movie when you were a kid well the other thing is nat geo um mm, yeah. which is which is another thing that you know they are aiming towards sort of a family-friendly audience which a family-friendly audience is is, is curious and we're going to come back to that in a little bit but yeah disney is obviously banking on the fact that they are disney uh they are a, a long existing entertainment company who has been creating entertainment for 80 years and um, have the back catalog to show it, that is, that's their strategy. They have come in at rock bottom pricing and they have a lot to show from it, for it, like the second they launch. Like there's so many options. Like I can just watch Wally till 2022 mm-hmm. and um and that's good that's that's worth my money is it good is it worth it, I, it uh, no but i'm so sad um <laughs> no no but like it's it's there are definitely because disney has become such a conglomerate such a a, a cohesion of brands like they have it feels like they have everything um, and from a cost standpoint, they aren't losing anything because it's just their own catalog. They, if, they, if they're charging rock bottom prices, it's not like the Amazon model where it's like, I'm talking about products, not television now, but like Amazon is going to undercut everyone else by offering products for cheaper. Disney owns all this stuff. So they can just be like, here it is. Yeah, and I wouldn't, I wouldn't, say, I wouldn't say that their long-term strategy in, in terms of you know, buying Pixar, buying Marvel, was leaning into this idea that we were eventually going to launch a streaming service that could could take over everything that right. could become like the whole main hub of the Disney entertainment portfolio. 
Um, but it absolutely worked to that advantage, and they recognized it once they decided to go forward with this, and just now they're selling the shit out of it. And they should, because so many families just want to have, they need that access to their kids' favorite shows, their favorite shows, the things they can watch together. Um, they want to have kind of a, a, a big library that's accessible to them, and Disney is definitely positioning itself so that it is a complement to other services as well. So, like, they know that Netflix is still out there and people are going to hold on to Netflix for now uh, so that they'll have that, but then they can come over to Disney when, you know, they are done watching the new season of Glow. Well, I mean, I think something to keep in mind and, and this this is a struggle for me, is that Disney Plus is coming with a bunch of films. Um, that is the majority of their catalog. But they own ABC. They own Fox now? Yep. Sort of? Part 20th Century Fox mm-hmm. they own, but not Fox Broadcast. It's, mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah, they have, I, I mean, they, they have TV shows. There other, there are, there's a lot that's coming with this. And, and yeah, I've, I've spent most of my time talking about those Disney classic films. Um, but that is actually something I'm, I'm wondering about. Is that, do people see, will people see Disney Plus as more of a film thing? Well, and, you know, it, it calls to mind the current Netflix problem of how do you remind viewers of everything that you have? Like, right. Netflix has been under fire for a while because their library is so large and they launch things so often that some of the critical favorites, some of the smaller shows, some of the smaller movies get lost in the shuffle because there's always something new next and it is all out at once and the conversation is limited. And with Disney, they have to figure out a way to do that as well. They have to figure out a way to remind you that not only do we have the family-friendly programming and these old movies and the classics that you love, but we also have these other things that you you might not realize are Disney properties. Right, but I do think that that means that Disney is much better positioned to then then something like Netflix to boost their original programming as well because it's not going to get lost in the clutter of um, acquisitions and things like that uh, so when the Mandalorian launches that's what you're going to see on that landing page um, nothing else well in terms of their originals yeah they're not going well, yeah. that's going to be okay but in terms of like the back catalog you're talking about in terms of, like the Fox films and everything they're like, they don't necessarily have to design something no. they're not as big of a priority right off the bat, but I think they're, you're going to see more efforts like that tweet stream of, of just reminding you, look at all of the stuff that we have. We also have this section that you didn't right. know about and this section you didn't know about, and that'll be a, a big focus. But if I'm them, I think that that original program, to me, and, and I, this, this pains me to say because Disney is not great in some ways, um, it, it's... It does feel like they're sort of taking the the best parts of Netflix and um, fixing some Netflix problems and um, and trying to move forward with it. Disagree? I, I, I disagree only in the sense that I know Netflix needs to make as many originals as possible in order to build its own catalog right. because they don't have the back catalog that Disney does. But I also think that for as much as people, certain people need that legacy content from, for what Disney is offering, a lot more people want new things, and Disney is not offering a lot of new things. And I think that could be a problem for them. So so Netflix is still going to have the advantage in terms of we're giving you so many more shows. So when your binge is up and you need something else, we've got it. Whereas with Disney, it's like, yeah, you can go back and watch the stuff that you're familiar with, but there's a limit. There's 30 seasons of Simpsons to dive into. Right, but how many people 
actually want to be watching The Simpsons as their like primary thing right now. Like it may I be mean, in the background. Yeah, 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 yeah. But you're not watching The Simpsons. Leo just raised his hand. You're not watching The Simpsons exclusively. Uh, yeah, I, you're not, watching The Simpsons while you're watching a sports game and, it's a second, and doing it's a, something it's a else. Second, so. It's a second screen uh, viewing experience. I'm not watching The Simpsons like I'm going to watch The Watchmen. Right, it's but like Watchmen. we're watching. Guess who watches Watchmen? <laughs> but that's, that is, I, like, Guys, there's a reason we call this millions of screens. It's it's because we aren't just watching one thing at a time. Like second, third screen experiences are kind of the norm now. So I think to say, oh, well, people want new content. Do they? Because Netflix's biggest hits are what? Friends? As the far Office? as we know. Well, that's a whole right. other ball of wax. And we'll complain about that in a future podcast. But um I don't remember what we were arguing about then. I think we were, you guys were arguing about what, <laughs> if I can step in, I think you guys, you guys were arguing about what the potential weaknesses of Disney Plus is. And Ben was positing that it's sort of lack of must-see originals, that there's not enough there. So that once people are done with Mandalorian, they're going to be like, what do, do I, I want I to think go back? They'll, and... I think they'll max out their subscriber base in terms of the people who are obsessed with Disney very quickly. I think they've done a good job with the launch at D23 and the special discounts for subscribing long-term and all of that. I think everybody who, as they continue to become aware it exists, will sign up for the cheap price point and for that accessibility. I think what they're going to run into a problem with is when people get used to that and they're still overwhelmed by like how much is there and they don't necessarily remember, when they start looking for new things, which I do think is an instinctual desire for a lot of hardcore TV fans, the people who will pay for a streaming service, I think that's when they need to ramp up their game. And we haven't seen them do that yet. We what? don't know what they're... I'm sorry, I, I cut you off, Ben. No, that's it. Oh. Uh, we don't know what they're going to do. We know there's Marvel shows coming. We know there's there's Star Wars plural shows coming. But uh, like... Yeah. I, and those will be enough in some sense, but is that enough new things for people who have gotten used to that binge model of Netflix sure. where they get something new every week? Is that also somewhat true of the other big player in the streaming game 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 uh, Apple TV plus in a sense yes and yet what they're doing is leaning all the way into their originals Apple only has their originals so they are selling the shit out of those and obviously their hook is broader but less sexy in the sense that their player their Apple TV player if you you know, sign up for your other services like HBO and Netflix through the app that they're offering, which is free to everyone and accessible everywhere, then you'll get certain perks. Like, um, I keep harping on this. I don't know why it appeals to me so much. But if you sign up through for HBO now through your Apple TV app, then you can download HBO episodes, which you can't do if you just sign up for HBO now elsewhere. Mm -hmm. So if you're traveling and a lot, or if you're on the subway, you know, people like to be able to watch those things and that's something that the Apple TV app offers. So there's certain little benefits, but those are harder to sell big pictures. So they're leaning into, we've got Reese Witherspoon, we've got Jennifer Aniston, we've got Jason Momoa, we've got M. Night Shyamalan, and they're trying to sell those originals. Now, whether those originals are worth the, the price tag and worth the bother and worth everything, we don't know yet because they don't come out until November 1st. Uh, review embargoes are later in the month. Um, so we'll have a kind of a better picture once those things start coming out. Um, but yeah, like they, they need those to succeed on some level. Otherwise, they're going to have a problem. Because there's no library. There's right. nothing. Exactly. It, it, it's empty. The, the archives are empty. They're, they're brand new in the game. And 
they're trying to replace their library with the other services, but that's not really a strong enough selling point for the $4.99 a month you have to spend on Apple TV. Right. Like if I'm going to spend, and I, I totally relate to, you know, wanting to download my succession episodes when I, for when I get on a plane, but I, you know, I have to pay for Apple and then I have to pay for HBO and, and like the, the add on element is not necessarily appealing to me. Um, I already subscribe to so many services. Um, and it pains me, like physically pains me to pay out for that. Um, I'm also, I, I'm also a little concerned with, with how Apple is dealing in the, in the TV market. Um, they seem to be coming into this game from a very tech minded, uh, angle, which makes sense. Um, but this is something that we have seen since their sort of Apple TV plus launch-ish in March, which had a bunch of television critics uh, up in up in Cupertino to see their big news, and there was no big news. They just kind of brought all of those celebrities you mentioned and Oprah uh, on stage for 45 seconds apiece. Uh, didn't show trailers, didn't show footage, didn't tell us when the the um, the the service was launching, didn't tell us how much it was going to be. Um, and journalists, at least TV journalists, thrive on information. Like we can't, we're not, we don't get starstruck as easily because. All we do is deal with stars. Um, it felt very much like they were pitching towards a, a different audience, and it doesn't feel as though they have corrected that that much. No, and I I, I think this is something we'll, I'll probably write about later. We'll write about later in the sense that Apple is leaning very hard on the idea that movie stars can sell TV shows or stars in general can sell right. series, and that's not really a bankable strategy anymore. Nobody seemed to tell Apple that movie stars are dead and that the, the things that kind of break out and build buzz are, are usually either high quality or somewhat controversial or just different. Um, or, or, you know, like, I don't know why Ozark sprung to mind, but Ozark seems to be one of those shows where, like, it's not just that they get good reviews or that they're well-regarded, it's that they've got some sort of momentum behind them, something kind of that's, that helps it separate from the pack. And, you know, whether it's Jason Bateman, Laura Linney, or, you know, the breakout Julia Garner, people talk about Julia Garner more than they talk about a lot of the other people on that show, and she's not somebody who they'd think would sell the show. But anyway, I'm getting a little off base in well, the no, sense I that... I think that's totally legitimate. Sometimes it feels a little bit like Apple is bringing a very dated view of television to the streaming apocalypse, which is um, not great when you're trying to forge. They're so used to forging the next, the next big thing, and their strategy feels a little bit stuck in early 2000s. And even then, wouldn't have been that bankable. Like you think about the streaming shows that really changed. Um, the game are things like, uh, let's say, Orange is the New Black. Yep. Let's say Transparent. Let's say, uh, or, you know, or you look at things like Game of Thrones. Or again, Succession. Who are those people? Like, who are the cast members there? Like, on Game of Thrones, what, Sean Bean? Like Sean Bean, he's only there for a season. Spoiler. Spoiler. Wow, Leo. Wow. Drop it in. I have not watched it yet. Oh, my God. You're ruining it for so many people. So I grew, right? Brian Brian Cox, and he's only there for two seasons. (laughs) Whoa. Whoa. How dare. That's so mean. How Uh, dare. But no, another, like, a good example, like, in-house, especially for streamers, would be Hulu. Like, their big launch had, like, um... It was the Stephen King, James Franco miniseries, <gasps> oh 11, my God. 22, 63. Yeah. 
Um, Casual didn't really have a ton of stars, but it was well-reviewed. And then what was their drama? Was it The Path? It was. It was The Path. It was The Path. Um, but none of those really broke the mold. And, and even when they invested in like big names like Stephen King, it didn't really work out. What really set them apart was the Elizabeth Moss starring Handmaid's yeah. Tale. And it was because it was timely and because it was extremely good in that first season and because it it spoke to people in a way where it was like we have to be watching this right now it wasn't the fact that lizzie moss was in it even though she's incredible but well, she wasn't a big enough person exactly, like right. she wasn't a big enough star she was you Otherwise, know incredible top of the line would have just been <sighs> oh yeah no exactly and and the thing is it, it feels a little bit like the people ultimately making the decisions at apple which is the people at the top of the chain not not the people like in the trenches, but the people at the very top of the chain watched House of Cards and then they stopped watching streaming television until they decided to get in the game. Yeah. And so I they're don't... like, well, you know, Kevin Spacey, he, he, that, that show was great. That, that show won like 50 Emmys, right? And like, no, it didn't. Um, and also, I have some bad news about Kevin Spacey, but it, it's <laughs> spoilers just... Spoilers left and right. Yeah, spo- <laughs> yeah sorry. We'll, we'll, we'll throw a spoiler warning on this uh, on this podcast. But it, it's just, um, there is something very dated and it's very frightening to see that from Apple. Yeah. Um, who appear at this point from, from reports we're seeing other places are, are just appear to be throwing money at the problem um, and not listening to uh, the experienced insiders who may know a little better. Yeah, and even, even the idea of House of Cards... It seems like they looked at it like you said. They looked at it like, well, Kevin Spacey, and that's how it won. And it's like, well, no, apparently, like every every the, the stories go, is that you know Netflix looked at what people were watching and what people demand, and they're like David Fincher, they like Kevin Spacey, they like uh, dramas, they like um, you know dark antiheroes, like they like these stories right now, and we're gonna put all that together in this package. So it brought it had like a studied look, and then combined them, and that was how they kind of broke out of the mold it feels like apple is just looking at the one factor right. the movie star and being like we can sell this on jennifer aniston and maybe they can but it's a ri- it's a much riskier bet in tv these days than it used to be because we've seen so many tv shows with big names that don't work out and kind of just fizzle away so not amazon's jack ryan never that so then before before Coming back before november first before... to fight the apple shows Oh, my God. Season two premieres the same day as all the Apple shows. Oh, my God. Steve Carell and John Krasinski going head to head. Head to head. Head to head office showdown. You heard it here first, folks. I hate myself. Uh, <laughs> you can't have The Office on, well, where is it now? It's still on Netflix. Yeah. So you See, can have it on Netflix. on Netflix. Or you can have <laughs> you Steve can Carell watch. new on Apple and John Krasinski new on Amazon. These are your choices. You can have Jenna Fisher on Splitting Up Together on, on Hulu. N- network. That, wait, did that, wait, that got I think canceled? That got canceled. It got canceled. Yeah, they got, they you got can hear her podcast on... I'm saying you can watch old episodes. <laughs> this is really killing my earlier argument of people want new things. <laughs> it doesn't seem like you guys came up with what's a strength. For Apple? Yeah. Money. Yeah. Their strength is, is very much an endless amount of money. Um, their strength is the names that they've acquired the strength is that they're apple and a lot of the time when you try to say you guys are crazy this isn't going to work they make it work as libby's pointed out we're right. all on mac on macbooks right now we right all have iphones right and, and that's the thing i do think the the big thing about apple is if this if they do this launch and it does not work they're going to pivot 
quickly and you're going to see a bunch of new shows in production that look completely different from this. They might go out for scripts. They might uh, decide to change the in-house feeling about the family-friendly model. Um, they may reverse their ban on talking about China. Um, there, there are lots of things that they could alter to um, change course. And I think from their history as a company, they have not been afraid to, to let go of what doesn't work. Um, so that they have, they have innovation on their side. Apple always has innovation on their side. Um, that's why, you, and a trillion dollars. So that's why you can't count them out. Yeah, and it's hard to, similar to kind of what you mentioned with Amazon earlier, Leo, in, in the sense that Amazon, their original series are there as a part of a bigger picture. Like their original series are there to keep people kind of invested in Amazon and to give them another perk for having Amazon Prime so that they will continue to shop on Amazon and buy all these other things. You buy an Echo so you can order <laughs> stuff online. And you can I'm say... I'm obsessed with my Alexa. Start it's that new John funny. Krasinski show. Like that's what they're there for. But... Um, and Apple's is similarly trying to use its shows to keep you invested in the Apple brand. So if you're using it through an, an, um, through a MacBook, if you're using it through Apple TV, if you're using it through your phone, then you will be tied into the Apple services and spend money through those services, whether it's their new credit card or their arcade games or um, just buying other movies and shows through Apple TV. Like They'll get percentages of that. So as long as the shows contribute to that in a way that they can see in their own hoard of data, then that's how they can be successful, even if, you know, everything from our blind outlook is like, well, it doesn't seem like it's working. It could work. So, All right. Well, uh, that's a little preview into Streamageddon. The end days. 2019. We have a little bit of uh, business to take care of here. Uh, ben, I'm so sorry. We're running out of time. There's there's no time for wakeboarding with Ann Dowd. What? Our leftovers focused uh, section of the podcast. Watchmen is coming. I know. Watchmen's coming. Mrs. We, Fletcher we talked, is coming. We talked about them earlier. We didn't yeah. talk about Mrs. Fletcher. But we, Tom and Damon are going to have two shows on the air at the same time. That's exciting. Um, on the same doing night. doing this thing with his hands. I know. Like, it's like, I wasn't going to bring any more like, attention to combine it. Combine the shows and well, the leftovers. It's, 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 still, like, still it's, doing it. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, it's worse now. It's worse. But here's here's something we do have to do. Uh, we forgot to do it up top. Uh, Libby, do you have a show on Quibi yet? No. Oh. Thank you for bringing up that very hurtful part of my life. It's just it's part of the streaming wars. We there is Quibi as well, and the fact that Libby Hill does not have a show on Quibi when literally everyone else does. And literally, your name makes so much sense with it. I should reserve that Twitter handle now. Yeah. No joke. Quibi Libby. Yeah. Libby, Libby. Libby's Quibby? Both probably. Quibby Hill. <laughs> I brought it. I'm done with That's this That's definitely the name of the show. <laughs> Millions of Screens is a production of Penske Media Corporation and IndieWire. Our editor-in-chief is Dana Harris. Our publisher is James Israel. And our executive editor is Ann Donahue. You can find us on Twitter at a million screens. No. Yeah, that's where you're going to find us at I right now. At Midwest Spitfire. At Ben T. Travers. And at Leo Adrian Garcia. That's clear who has the best Twitter handle. Midwest Spitfire. Uh, I know. If you like the show, tell your friends. They won't even have to. Ben. <laughs> <laughs> to Travers. <laughs> Can 
Thanks if you like the show, tell your friends. They won't even have to try that hard to find us. We're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, and anywhere else you get your podcasts, I assume. We'll see what happens when we put it on Anchor. Uh, this is Ben, Libby, and Leo reminding you, as always, that you shouldn't let poets lie to you. shouldn't let poets lie to you. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.